You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's going on, everybody? RJ Ochoa here on the SB Nation NFL Show. It is Monday, Football Monday, the best show on the SB Nation NFL Show. We are live streaming on my Twitter account because I am the more handsome of the two of us here on Monday, Football Monday. He is Pete Tweeney from Arrowhead Pride, as noted. I'm RJ Ochoa from Blogging the Boys, so uh, I imagine going to have a, a couple of Cowboys listeners joining us for the live stream. Pete Tweeney, though, uh, as mentioned, it is the SB Nation NFL Show, which in many ways is the Pete Sweeney Show. If you're new, uh, checking us out on the live stream, we will obviously be posting this as a podcast on the SB Nation NFL Show. Please go subscribe over there, leave a rating, write a review. Those things are massively appreciated. Today on Monday Football Monday, Pete and I, obviously, uh, with Pete having his thumb all over the Kansas City Chiefs, are going to talk about the Orlando Brown trade and discuss the top 10 as it pertains to the NFL draft. Because, Pete, it's draft week. I hope you have been enjoying it so far. Yeah, even bigger than draft week and the Chiefs trade and Sean Lee retiring and so on and so forth. It's just important to say that we here at the SB Nation NFL show, we love new tech and we're <laughs> streaming right now, right? This is uh, new for us, but I, I'm enjoying it. I, I like that we can go live from time to time. And and I like that you're able to handle that, RJ. As you said, not only the more handsome host on, on this show, but definitely the more tech savvy. So I appreciate that as well. Yeah, I am Iron Man. You are, um, I guess you're more, you give like Hulk vibes, um, if I'm being honest with you. Um, so um, congratulations to you in that capacity, Pete. Thank you. Um, you know, it's not on our rundown. We have a lot to get to. I do think we should get to it right away, though. Um, and I'll be talking about this on Blocking the Boys' properties um, throughout the day and stuff as well. But Sean Lee retiring. And I'm curious, Pete, as somebody who who watched his career from afar, your thoughts on the general hanging it up after 11 seasons in the NFL? Well, I just think he was such an important part of the Dallas Cowboys franchise and a real consistent part and just one who probably deserved a better tenure than he was able to have in Dallas when it comes mm-hmm. to like postseason success. Like in a lot of ways, it reminds me of just like Joe Thomas in a way, who was so important to the Cleveland franchise and really didn't see the results that he deserved for just how high quality uh, a football player. And this happens from time to time, especially for franchises that you really love in the NFL. You're just sometimes there at the exact wrong time. Like from a Kansas City standpoint, Jamal Charles is a good example. Just such a beloved player, just never was able to have that postseason success. His career was over before uh, the Chiefs really got good. And so that that's where I'm at. I, I think it's one of these important players, but unfortunately just not in the right time of, of what is the Dallas Cowboys franchise. Like I said, we'll, we'll take a deep dive on this at blogontheboys.com and I'll do a podcast on it and probably something on our YouTube channel um, later on this week as well. Obviously there's a lot going on, but you mentioned it, Pete, 
Sean Lee was the Cowboys' second-round draft pick in 2010. Uh, their first-round pick that year was Des Bryant, so really nice one-two punch there. Um, there was a lot of discussion about Sean Lee or Navarro Bowman at the time, obviously taken by the 49ers. Um, and Sean just just kind of this elite warrior sort of trapped by his human body. You know, I mean, this this guy with incredible football instincts that just – you know, unfortunately got hurt, uh, missed the whole 2014 season, the Des caught it year, obviously. I don't mean this to like supremely bag on Jason Garrett. I tweet about this from time to time. <laughs> um, but I, I, I re-brought this tweet up uh, right in the news of Sean Lee's retirement. Tony Romo, DeMarcus Ware, Des Bryant, Sean Lee, Tyron yep. Smith, Dan Bailey, Travis Frederick, Zach Martin, DeMarcus Lawrence, Ezekiel Elliott, Dak Prescott. You can throw a little bit of Amari Cooper in that mix. I mean, all these incredible players that unfortunately played for the Dallas Cowboys in the Jason Garrett era. I mean, Jason Garrett, you know, took over the Cowboys midway through the 2010 season, Sean Lee's rookie year. And, you know, Sean Lee played the the lone year so far under Mike McCarthy. But, I mean, truly limited in that capacity by the head coach, um, the, the coach for the team. And so really, really frustrating and really upsetting that that is the case. But, you know, big I, bummer. You know, and outside looking into, I, I think one of these players where you loved him, if you're a Cowboys fan and you are a little bit fearful for your running back or some of your skill position players, if you were the other team, like, I don't think you really enjoyed Sean Lee on the other side. So uh, someone that will be missed in the NFL and a good career uh, aside from the lack of team success. Uh, last thing on Sean, before we move on, um, he released a letter, a statement, obviously um, through the Dallas Cowboys. And this line just really got to me, man. If there's a regret, it's that I never helped bring a championship back home because you deserve it so much. Talking to Cowboys fans, just, um, you know, somebody's cutting onions around here, Pete. That's all I'm going to say. Mm. But um, it is mm. what it is. So anyway, uh, let's move on to uh, the aforementioned rundown. Let's talk about it. The Kansas City Chiefs, as uh, as the weekend began, uh, got rid of their first round pick. They don't want to be busy on Thursday night. The Chiefs dealing the 31st overall pick in the NFL draft because they lost the Super Bowl. Sorry, Pete. Uh, for help so that that doesn't happen again. They go out, they acquire Orlando Brown from yep. the Baltimore Ravens. All in all, Casey gets Orlando Brown, uh, Baltimore's second round pick this year, which is the 58th overall selection, and their sixth round pick next year. Baltimore gets, obviously, Kansas City's first round pick this year, number 31. Their third and fourth round picks this year, numbers 94 and 136, and Kansas City's fifth round pick next year. As we are recording in this moment, Pete, you were just a part of Orlando Brown's introductory press conference with the Chiefs. Your mm -hmm. takeaways on the newest tackle for Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, we had an opportunity to speak with him and really a charming guy on the Zoom, as charming as you can be uh, on Zoom. But the passion was obvious. He wanted to play the left tackle position. That was important to him. Uh, his father, who is Orlando Brown Sr., was always, when he was you know alive, he, he was always sure with him and and told him and pushed him in a direction of you want to be playing the left tackle position wasn't going to work out in Baltimore with Ronnie Stanley and so he wanted out and so they have been looking for a, a trade possibility you know for a while this offseason I, I believe this dates back to mid-March if not late March and it happened on Friday and I I'm still reeling and I'm I'm a little stunned because I, I look at the Chiefs team, and the first time Patrick Mahomes seemed human and beatable, very beatable, was in Super Bowl and against the Buccaneers and their front, and the offensive line was just so weak. And really, because they were picking at number 31, the idea that they could draft a day one left tackle in the early 20s and someone with upside who could potentially be a long-term solution, it just seemed like it was so slim. I mean... 
You don't really have the capital at number 31 to be getting into the top 15. I know we're going to talk in the second half about uh, where guys like Slater and, and Sewell will go. And you know, the Chiefs weren't going to be in that mix. And who comes in to save them? The team that can't beat them. And mm-hmm. I've said on local radio in Kansas City, the Baltimore Ravens would have been better off trading Brown inside the division, in my opinion. Because even if you have to play him two times a year, I think there's more needs for the other teams in the division. This Chiefs team had one grand weakness, which was the offensive line and particularly the left tackle position. I mean, they were talking about potentially kicking Tooney out or Kyle Long or guys who just don't play the tackle position. And in comes a solution. He's 24. He has a lot to prove. I could tell from this press conference that he has a chip on his shoulder. And I just can't understand why in a million years Baltimore would provide the solution uh, for a team that they simply can't beat. Lamar Jackson has shown a knack for being able to beat everybody but Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes finally looked beatable, and you helped to make him more unbeatable. Again, I just don't get it. Yeah, it feels like um, like Lex Luthor is like, hey, Superman, I invented this thing that combats kryptonite. Here you go. You know what I mean? Like It's, mm-hmm. it's really strange in that regard. Uh, right after the trade happened on Friday, you and I were slacking, and I told you, yeah, like this is a big L for the Ravens. Um, and and maybe you know, maybe Orlando, you know, was difficult in in, in you know the trade process, and maybe that's what this was. I, I mean, you're you're shaking yeah, your and, head. No, and well, the Chiefs ended up giving their first round pick, which is number thirty one. So that's almost like early second round. And what right. happened? And they also gave their third rounder, which is ninety four. But Baltimore sent back 58. So now you have the Chiefs that are still picking at number 58 overall and number 63 overall in the second round of the NFL draft. And now they're not really having these grand needs. Like they could use an edge player. They could use a wide receiver. They could use a linebacker. But those needs aren't as dire as the tackle. They were in a dire position. They wanted Trent Williams. It didn't work out. They didn't really like anyone else in the market. And they get Orlando Brown from maybe one of their bigger AFC rivals at a division of the past few years. And I, I'm still, again, I'm still stunned. I'm still stunned. It, I agree with you. That it's an overall win for Kansas City. It does feel a little, and this is a heavy word, so don't, don't mm. take it that way. But it feels a little desperate on Kansas City's behalf. And some of it is like, you know, things aligning, right? Like there's a particular yeah. tackle that they're, you know, that's available they can go ahead and get. But it, it does just kind of feel like, not a last-ditch effort uh, by Kansas City to kind of recapture the magic, but it 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 feels like a move we haven't seen this team make in a while, right? Like this team has operated from the top well, for so long, and now it's 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 it, again desperation is not the right term, but I think you get my point. Well, you go from having tackles last year, Mitch Schwartz, who was on right on the right side, who had n- never missed start in his career, and on the left side, Eric Fisher has been very reliable since 2013. And then all of a sudden, they were out of the mix, and they were down to their backup of their backups. They had two opt-outs along the offensive line that they weren't planning for. And so you got the result that you were in the Super Bowl, which was one of the like less entertaining Super Bowls in a long time, regardless of the Chiefs won or not. It just was not a fun game to watch because of that. Uh, and, and you have the solution in Brown. I did see, I believe it was Evan Silva. I've established the run. Someone had posted their tweet back to me because I was asking this question on Friday. And there's some thought that maybe uh, Baltimore didn't see Brown as someone who is worth this left tackle money. What Mm -hmm. it seems like in Kansas City is Brown is going to play this last year of his contract. And so the Chiefs are not only getting a potential long-term solution, but they don't even really have to bet on it this year. They could see if he is that guy before they have to pay him. And so I know what you mean. 
And I think if the Chiefs were picking earlier in the first round, I would agree with you where it seemed desperate, but they got a second rounder back. And this was the position that they needed to probably draft anyway. And again, it's not like Trent Williams, who's at the age of 30 or 31. It's a 24-year-old. I, I just, I, I, I don't know. Maybe it'll make more sense if Brown is not the player we think he is. Uh, and and then, of course, it would make more sense. But I, I tend to feel like it's, it's a, a winning move for Kansas City and a questionable one on the Baltimore side. Ultimately, I agree with all that. It's just, you know, yeah. again, he's 24. You're right. But he's also in a contract year, right? Like, so mm-hmm. it's just it's it's not the move that that the, the people at, at the Kings of the Hill make. You know what I'm saying? Like that's and that's. That's been foreign for Kansas City for a long time. But the third year, like, so the third or fourth year for Trent Williams, which is, I think they ended up giving him six years, but it turns out to like be a a three year contract. I mean, he would have been 36 in that third year. Now, if you do sign a long term deal with Brown after this year, probably ends when he's 29. So you're you're in a much, much better scenario, is what I mean. All I'm saying, Pete, is a team, um, the, the Super Bowl losing team a year ago traded for a left tackle. Yep. And it didn't work out, right? Super Bowl losing team this year, trading for a left tackle. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, these are just facts. That That's all I'm saying. Like, these are facts. And it just, mm-hmm. it has a, it has an air of a teeny bit of desperation. But it, but it's a logical level of desperation. That's important. But, but look, I don't want to beleaguer the point. Um, let's get we'll to... Let's goes, right? Let, that's let's, let's get that's to why they people. play the games, Arthur. <laughs> let's get... Well, actually, before we get there, uh, everybody, nobody do anything. Nobody go anywhere. We're going to take a very quick break. We have to pay the bills. And then it's time to um, to do a, a bit of a twist uh, on a mock draft. So um, nobody go anywhere. We'll be back after a very quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. All right, Pete. So um, a few weeks ago, on March 29th, that was what four weeks ago, right? Something like that. Uh, you weeks and I, and weeks, yeah. right? You and I on Monday Football Monday, we did a projection of the top ten picks in the 2021 NFL Draft. We stipulated that there would be no trades in this particular exercise. Um, now, at the time. Sam Donald had not been traded to the Carolina Panthers. San Francisco had already traded up for the third overall pick. But uh, could you could you you know kind of explain? Am I missing anything? This was the exercise that we conducted, right? Right. I I think draft season began to heat up, so we said, okay, let's do a mock draft of the top ten. <laughs> and now that we're here, draft week is is upon us. We're mocking the mock, baby, and th- th- we're going to mock our own mock, which I, I think should be fun. And we'll uh, we'll see how we did, where we think it's changed, where we think it- it'll stay the same. Because you know, as I'm looking at back at the list of what we did four weeks ago, there were some things we did get right, and I would change. We haven't even things. gotten them right yet. What do you mean? Like the draft is is thirst. The, well, and I think- the top right. two picks we have right. 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 Okay. Nothing has changed in that in the top so- two. Picks. I think it's important. We're focusing on the top 10 because, A, it's how we can include the Cowboys, the team that matters the most in the SB Nation universe. No critical, uh, yeah. but, but, B, there are lots of reports, Pete, that – and there's a lot of reports about a lot of things. And apparently Julio Jones could be on the trade block, according to mm-hmm. Peter King. This could be a really, really, really fun week. Um, but um, it's possible that no defensive players can be taken in the top 10, you know, ultimately. And I know that you're saying Cowboys. Maybe the Cowboys trade up. But um, that has never happened in the common era a draft where the top 10 players were all offensive players, but it's an offensive league. So uh, that being said, let's start, of course, and we're not doing any trades right now. So just bear with us in that capacity. Right. But the Jacksonville Jaguars four weeks ago, Pete, you wanted them to take Justin Fields. I talked you out of it. Because, this is not true. I mean, that's uh, not true anyway, this one's super easy. We said they were going to take Trevor Lawrence. They're going to take Trevor Lawrence. Nothing to really make a big to do about here. You agree? I'm certain. Yeah. And this is very different than like what the bears were doing for Trubisky going out in a limb. 
even if this ends up being a bust, which I don't see, the Jaguars are covered because everyone would be stunned and shocked. And what are they doing if they don't take Trevor Lawrence? If it doesn't work out, I think they're covered in that sense. So it's not even really a risk. And I don't think Urban Meyer is coming out and, and joining the NFL and being an NFL head coach if he didn't believe in this kid. And I think he knows football. And so, uh, yeah, slam dunk. It's going to be Trevor Lawrence. They should announce it now, but they don't do that anymore. I know. I am excited to see Trevor Lawrence in the Jaguars color scheme. Like, I know we've seen the edits and stuff, but it's not the same. Yeah. Like, it's, not, it's not the full same. And so I'm very anxious to see him in the teal. Um, so ultimately, how, yeah, how those long locks look with the teal will certainly be an interesting point to watch. No doubt. About right. It. But so nothing to really mock. Um, and yeah. by mock, we mean make fun of in this capacity of ourselves. Uh, pick number two, Pete, the New York Jets. I again, I still feel like we just dismissed the idea that they could take Justin Fields um, a long time ago. But I mean, it is the consensus that Zach Wilson, he of the Chipotle variety, uh, will be the second overall pick. We said that this would be the case four weeks ago. So again, we're right so far. Twitter two, like you said. Yeah, and when you really dig into the comments of the the Jets GM after they did make that trade where they sent Sam Darnold to the Carolina Panthers, the writing seemed to be on the wall where they were sure about Zach Wilson. And I thought what was really the most interesting part of that is they might have kept Darnold if they were picking a few picks later. But I think they believe in Wilson so much that it gave them an opportunity to reset financially. And it really was the first time... I think a GM has been so forward facing about the advantage that has having a rookie quarterback where they're not the next quarterback up where you have to match uh, the money of the last quarterback and right. it really ties you up and, and you can spend less in other positions. So finances came into this. I think they still legitimately, I do feel this way. I think they still believed in Darnold, but they probably rated Wilson and Darnold similarly based upon where they are right now. And now you, you do, you restart the clock for four years of, of Wilson, potentially five. All good, all fine, all boring. The top two picks we've known forever. Um, right. Everything you said was nice and dandy, Pete. But again, you know, kind of lame because we already know we're we're here for the entry. We're here for the spice, and that obviously starts with the San Francisco 49ers. I cannot wait to hear what Rob Stats Greer is going to say on tomorrow, Tuesday's edition of the Oddcast. Um, actually, no, I know we have a special surprise in store for Tuesday, so excuse me, but I'm sure that somehow, some way, Stats is going to shoehorn in some ridiculous homer optimism for the 49ers because pete they are all over the place as of uh we're recording this monday about lunchtime what'd you have for lunch pete what'd you eat haven't eaten yet mm, or, as you know but you know pulling the curtain back our schedule's been all over the place uh right. today so i was not planning on on still doing the podcast <laughs> this late uh but i'm going to get some lunch in me probably when we we conclude maybe a sandwich okay right on respect make sure you toast it you know don't be bored yeah. put in the extra effort anyway yeah. uh so uh sunday night uh ian rapaport reported that the 49ers were down to trey lance or mac jones when we conducted our exercise four weeks ago we had them taking justin fields it seems like that is not going to be the case so our first one where we were wrong um at least you know so to speak and so um the mac jones hype is real pete and oh, I, I, know. I find this amazing, honestly, that there is only one place that Mac Jones could go like in the top 15, right? Like, yeah. like if, if Mac Jones doesn't go here at three, he literally slips out of the first half entirely. Right. And so like we, we um, we're not going to talk much about this, but there was a, a big, you know, anytime Seth Wickersham does anything for ESPN, it's, you know, it's a meaty subject. And he wrote on Sunday about Kyle Shanahan. And to me, like, there is this, and I know I bag on stats for this a lot, 
there is this like incredible hubris associated with Kyle Shanahan, right? Like, oh, the system, the scheme, it's all perfect. Like, where are the results to support this? You know, like, uh, You're really calling them out here. I mean, there, but the results are you. like, the results are so cherry picked. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, well, look at this season, look at that season. It's like, yeah, there, there are other bodies of work that you have to consider. And so the hubris that would be associated with taking Mac Jones over Trey Lance or Justin Fields. I mean, would be ridiculous. I, I mean, but it, they, they I'm at a point where I think this, that's going to happen. They got off of the Super Bowl and then had a Chargers-like injury-filled year, and they also had some COVID problems intermixed there, you sure. know, especially at the – I believe it was the running back position where they had like seven different running backs. I, I threw last year out. I, I think they did, did what they could. I think you know now they're healthy again. And I – I looked at the odds this morning and I could not believe this, but Mac Jones is, is sort of a heavy favorite here. Minus right. 190. <laughs> Trey Lance is even. And Justin Fields, who we mocked to them again four weeks ago, is plus 700. That is a deep, deep, deep long shot. And, you know, the way that odds seem to work, they don't put those shiny buildings up in Vegas for nothing. They tend to know what's going on. So it really does seem, sorry, stats, that Mac Jones is going to be the guy here. I just I don't understand why there is this overwhelming trust in Kyle Shanahan then. You know, I mean and and here's the thing, like I I know what I'm about to say sounds ridiculous, but if because there's still a lot of covid issues and right. you know questions like surrounding the NFL as a whole, but if if Kyle Shanahan is this I mean and I don't this isn't a bad thing, but if he is this arrogant about it cuz arrogance is a good thing. Um, in some capacities, but yep. if he's truly this arrogant. Like, no, it's Mac Jones. I'm willing to surrender all of this draft capital to go get this specific player. I know. Trust me. I got this. And they don't have immediate success. I feel like it's fair to question him to the point of like wondering whether he's the right guy for the job, because I mean, well, yes. Yeah, so this is what I was saying about Lawrence, right? No one's ever going to blame the Jags if Lawrence doesn't pan out because everyone felt the same way, right? This is going out on a limb and saying, no, this I isn't see- even a limb. This is like, I mean, this what is he's the saying, heaviest what he's animal saying in the animal kingdom. Is like I see something with one hand. that you all, you all people, you don't see what I see <laughs> in Mac Jones. And so you, he's betting on himself quite a bit. And I, I completely agree, but he's also calling his shot in a sense. So if it does work out and Mac Jones does wind up being the truth, then Kyle Shanahan really, I think, will deserve a lot of that credit he already gets. Totally. And if and if he pulls it off, rub our faces in it. I'm because right. that's that's life. Like that's sports. Like you deserve. You it. gonna like, crack an egg on your head like Dan Orlovsky, RJ, when when Mac Jones wins the Offensive Rookie of the Year? I don't want to do that um, personally, <laughs> um, but um, you know it is what it is. Uh, but okay. but I, and because I know that somehow, some way, my friend Pete Tweeney is going to tell everyone that Orlando Brown was really the rookie of the year because mm-hmm. he was, you know, taken with a first round pick in some mm-hmm. particular right. way. Right. Uh, but okay, so so it seems like you know we were definitely wrong on this one. Let's move on to the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, when we mocked this uh, exercise four weeks ago, we had them. Uh, as Team TBD trading up to get Mac Jones, considering that we've now right, surrendered trading back. Yep. Right. Considering now that we've surrendered to the idea that, you know, Matt could be going uh, three to San Francisco. That's obviously not going to be the case. I think this boils down to two players and completely different directions here. Kyle Pitts makes a lot of sense, obviously, for 
obvious and obvious and obvious reasons. Uh, but beyond that, Justin Fields, holy crap, this would be fun. Uh, I mentioned this. Uh, we did a mock draft last week on, on the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel. And the, the best way, I know this is a lame way, but the best way I can describe my hype for Justin Fields in Atlanta is he would be on the fastest track ever. And I know you're going to be like Patrick Mahomes, whatever, but to be on the cover of Madden. Like, that's how fun the Atlanta offense would be with Justin Fields in it. Yeah, I I like that, but I don't know. The the tea leaves have kind of said that they're sticking with Matt Ryan for the time being. And, it, you know, if that's going to be the case, and I, I think this is Pitts, I think if you're really going to try to, you know, go on one more run with Matt Ryan, let's put him in the best position possible. And I said this the first time we did this, that many people regard Kyle Pitts as, you know, the most athletic player in the draft, if not the best player in the draft. And this certainly would obviously be the best weapon. And, and so... You know, if they're going to put their money where their mouth is and give you know, Matt Ryan one more shot at this, then, hey, th- th- this is an opportunity. And, and I, you know, there are quarterbacks every year. If it doesn't end up working out, uh, you can maybe draft a, a quarterback down the line. Fine. So Kyle Pitts, is that is it this this easy? Really? I think it is. I, I, <laughs> I think it is. I, I, I think they go and, and and get Pitts in in Atlanta. Yeah. How about how about this? They take Kyle Pitts and someday, like in 10 years, they trade a veteran tight end near the end of the ropes back to Kansas City, a la Tony Gonzalez going from KC to the ATL. How about that? That would be great. Yeah, Travis Kelsey would have ridden off into the sunset a long, long time uh, before that, so that would make some sense, yes. All right, cool. Let's move on because these are kind of easy. This this is where, not quite here, but this is where it starts to get a little bit interesting. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. When we did this four weeks ago, I petitioned for them taking Jamar Chase. You wanted them to take Panay Sewell. This is truly like, if you look at Bengals fans, they are absolutely divided here. Obviously, and they get Jamar- mad about it. They get very mad about right, it. Right. Obviously, Jamar Chase has a history with Joe Burrow. Obviously, Panay Sewell uh, goes a long way at protecting Joe Burrow. And so, you know, it truly is a matter of like what, you know, what type of team are you trying to build here, Zach Taylor, who's who's maybe on the like truest of all hot seats of right. all NFL head coaches right now. Um, so you wanted Sewell. I wanted Chase. I think I lean Sewell now, but I think there is enough Chase chatter right now to where like I'm not willing to say it's a lock that it's Panay Sewell. Yeah, I, well, I would I would maybe stop you from chasing Jamar too much. I, I think. <laughs> There's been a lot of knee talk this offseason, of course, in Detroit, where they're they're dining on kneecaps. Uh, but also when the Bengals released their uniforms recently with that lame. photo, super you, lame. You zoom in and you saw that scar on on Burrow's knee. And it, I wish I had the name in front of me, but I saw someone meme it up and said, tell me you need to uh, draft Penny Sewell without telling me you need to ah, draft Penny Sewell. Right. And I understand you know why Joe Burrow would want his college brethren uh, there in Cincinnati, but I think you got to protect him. And unless he's protected, you know you're not going to be able to to get to any of these weapons. And so I I still think that they go still here. The only thing I didn't like about all that chatter last week was that I wish they had played for the Lions because Scar, right. a lion, you know, Mufasa, Simba, like get it all right. You know uh, what I mean? Yeah, when it eats it. Exactly. It doesn't yes. fit with Tigers. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a lion-specific joke. Lions and Tigers and, and kneecaps, oh my, yeah. Right. Whatever. Fine. I mean, I'm yeah. not going to be bummed by this. But in fact, I, I kind of like this because as a Cowboys fan, I think it tempts other teams to take Jamar Chase. Um, so in fact, let's let's move on. So Panay Sewell, we were wrong. It's really my fault that we were wrong because I pushed for Jamar Chase. So my bad, I dragged you down. Uh, the Miami and Dolphins. By, or no, by the way, when oh, we oh. no, I was going to say when 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 the actual draft come out comes out, are we going to mock the mocking of the mock? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, we have to be three mocks deep. Yes. Yeah, mockception. Okay. Uh, okay. The Miami Dolphins hold the sixth overall pick. We gave them Kyle Pitts last time we did this exercise. Pick, yeah. Not happening, obviously. Although, I mean, I think it could happen if he falls. But right. I think this is the logical spot then for Jamar Chase if, if Kyle Pitts truly is gone, right? Although a logical spot for teams to trade up. Right. You know, we're hearing that it's possible that that could happen. But um, I don't know. Are you fine sliding in Jamar Chase? I think so. You know, I think there is going to be some talk about these Alabama receivers and Jalen Waddell and Devonta Smith. I think sometimes we Friend of the show, Devonta Smith, by the way. Right. I think sometimes we just start to see everybody saying the same thing. So we just assume it's going to be Chase now. And the teams are like, no, we actually kind of like Waddle better. You know, so I think it could be one of those guys. But if Pitts is gone, I think from what we've kind of been hearing and what it seems like all the national folks have been saying, I, I think it's probably um, it's probably going to be Chase here if he falls to them. Yes. You mentioned what people are saying. Uh, NFL Network's Tom Pelissero, because look, let's accept it. Fine. One of the receivers. We're right there. It's not going to be cop. It's going to Miami. Uh, NFL Network's Tom Pelissero on Monday morning talked about the next two picks, Pete. Uh, picks number seven and eight belonging to Detroit and Carolina as the, quote, hot spot. Here is what Tom Pelissero had to say. Well, Nate, the hot spot right now is at the bottom of the top 10, specifically the Lions at seven and the Panthers at eight have been fielding a lot of phone calls. That makes sense because when you look at Carolina at eight, as well as the Broncos at nine, both those teams are threats to potentially take an offensive tackle or maybe even a quarterback. So if you want one of those two positions, you may have to get ahead of them. So who's calling to move up? I can tell you that the Eagles have made a lot of phone calls, although that's Howie Roseman. He calls everybody every year about every pick just to see what it would take. The Vikings have been active working the phones. That would probably be if one of those offensive tackles ends up sliding. And this is an interesting one. The Patriots have been calling around in the top 10. And teams that have gotten those calls believe that their target would be Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields. Now, it would cost the Patriots a lot to move from 15 up to 7 or 8, probably something in the region of a second-round draft pick. That is a small price to pay if New England sees an opportunity to land a potential franchise quarterback. Okay? A lot to digest there, obviously, as we move on. For, to- our, vi- for our viewers, by the way, Pelissero has a, a big league backdrop. I mean, you're seeing mine, you're seeing yours, whereas ours are fine. Pelissero has a beautiful living room that he's, that he's doing that report from. I didn't know it's a living room. Like, how do you know what, what room it is? I mean, I would, be a, I mean, be an I, office, I could be a basement. I mean, there was an interior decorator involved there. I mean, I have cereal up here for, for those podcast listeners. I've never seen my bed. Um, okay, so pick number seven, the Detroit Lions. Uh, again, the hot spot, Pete, um, DHS. And so, you know, Tom mentioned one of the tackles. As as we're kind of unfolding this, Panay Sewell's gone to the Cincinnati Bengals, but Rashawn Slater's still still hovering out there. Uh, Justin Fields still hovering out there because we've only seen three quarterbacks go off the board in Lawrence, Wilson, and presumably Mac Jones. Um, so that's an option. Right. I, th- I do think that these make a lot of sense, especially because Denver is a spot that maybe Rashawn Slater could go. Maybe the Los Angeles Chargers could be a team that trades up. I yeah. saw a uh, friend of the show, Mark Schofield, in his, uh, in his latest mock draft had the Chargers going up to number 10 with the Dallas Cowboys to take Rashawn Slater. By the by, Mark Schofield will be part of the SB Nation NFL show's draft coverage, so look forward to that. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Vikings, I guess, you know, got to come up a little bit more. Um, but um, I don't know. I mean, do you d- d- Detroit has already yeah. shown an ability or an inclination, I should say, to to accrue future assets. I mean, they're not focused on the here and now. 
you made an interesting point that, you know, that maybe Dan Campbell would go defense here. And I think with all this offensive buzz where offensive players are going to go into the, the top 10, I just like wonder if they do trade back. I, I know we're not doing trade backs necessarily in, in this exercise, but if they do want to go defense, I mean, this is the perfect opportunity because of the potential quarterback team in a Denver Broncos and, and a team wanting to get in front. And if you still want a defensive player, he's probably still going to be there if you're trading back to 11, 12, 13, whatever it is, or you know, one of the guys you like. Uh, if you're giving you know, Goff a real chance, you're not going quarterback, I, I could definitely see a trade back here, a uh, defensive player. If not, uh, you on our first podcast, you noted that you want to get Goff some protection. And so maybe it's they take that other offensive tackle that's still left. Right. We gave them uh, Penny Sewell um, last time we did this, but maybe it would be Rashawn Slater here. But um, interesting. A hot spot nonetheless. Uh, we gave the Carolina Panthers P. Trey Lance because, again, they had not traded for Sam Donald at the time that we did this exercise. So that's not going to happen. But. They are, I think, because of that, a candidate to trade back. But I, I do feel like Panthers fans would be really pissed because, like, okay, we dealt with the year one of Matt Rule. There's growing pains associated with it. We said goodbye to Cam, right? Like, we we gave you the, you know, the rope. We gave you the, the leniency for year one. Now we got a top 10 pick. Like, we expect something substantial, and you just trade out of it. Like, I think, you know, you, you can only, you can only like, build up your future so much. And so I kind of think Carolina has to sit and pick here, but maybe the offer would be substantial again, specifically if Justin Fields were there. Although, I mean, Carolina was kind of the most quarterback needy team in the NFL prior to the Sam Donald trade, not that that really moved the needle. And so if they themselves are passing on Justin well, Fields, I mean, man. Based upon Matt Rule's comments, they're all in on Darnold. And maybe not in the long term past the two years, but they're at least going to give him an opportunity to have a second shot at the NFL really in Carolina, and I don't think they're taking a quarterback here. So they're, to me, a perfect team to trade up ahead of the, the Broncos uh, as well. And the Broncos... I mean, a perfect if, spot for another team to trade up ahead of the Broncos. Correct. Right. Because, again, everything out of Denver is, well, they're not necessarily sold on, on Drew Locke, and there could be a quarterback left in the spot as well if, if the Lions do keep that pick and, and take a tackle or a defensive player or something like that. Right. Maybe this is uh, Justin Fields to New England, Justin Fields to yes. Chicago, uh, whatever the case may be, um, and not obviously getting to Denver. I would think it would be interesting if Denver sensed that and traded up to seven with Detroit, like jumped this spot. You know what I mean? Uh, for the for the purposes of securing whether it's Justin Fields or whatever the case may be. But if Carolina sits, I mean, I suppose another tackle makes sense. You know, so maybe that's Rashawn Slater. Um, but if, if Justin Fields falls, Pete, uh, as somebody who covers the AFC West, you will hear Pete's thoughts on the AFC West, by the by, uh, tomorrow he'll talk to Rob Statsker about them here on the NFL show, but, um, Denver, Justin Fields, would that scare you at all? No, <laughs> no, it wouldn't. I've said this before, and this is going to be nauseating to all the fans of the other 31 teams, but I never pick against Patrick Mahomes anymore. And, and oh. it's. Okay. Awful. It's awful. Okay. Forget the, the prediction. Okay. Wait, no. wait, wait, do you do you because think that do you think that Denver with Justin Fields would be a solid team? They have a really great roster. I don't know. I don't know. I I I actually don't think that Drew Locke has had a fair shake. Uh, that's how I feel. Uh, Here's I, the Missouri bias coming out in it's a, a different form. I think he deserves a full year where he's healthy. There's not the COVID issue. He only played 13 games last year. Uh, Denver was supposed to be really strong defensively. He lost his number one target in Cortland Sutton or was supposed to be one of the number one targets in Cortland Sutton. I think 
I think he deserves a, a fair shake. And and Denver to me has has other needs, you know. And, and let's protect maybe Drew Lock, give him a full year. And again, you can draft a quarterback down the line. Sometimes you get into these these scenarios where you're taking a quarterback every other three years. Denver's been looking for their quarterback really since uh, they lost Peyton Manning to retirement. And they won the Super Bowl and they just have not been able to find an answer. And so I just I've seen I've seen some some moments from Drew Lock where I'm like, okay, maybe there is something here, but it's just not enough consistency at this point. There is chatter that Penn State linebacker, we started today's show talking about a, a great Penn State linebacker in Sean Lee, but that Micah Parsons could be the pick here by Denver. And I would love that, honestly, as a Cowboys fan, to kind of get to the, the team that matters to wrap us up here. Um, if this plays out in this particular combination that we're discussing and Justin Fields falls to 10, I know that both tackles would be gone for the Cowboys. And, and there's there's a sector of Cowboys fans that want to see Rashawn Slater be the pick. Uh, but if you're telling me a Cowboys fan, Okay, Patrick Sertan's still there. J.C. Horn's still there. Caleb Farley's still there, worst-case scenario. And Justin Fields is there. So New England, Chicago, maybe Washington are interested in trading up to your spot to come get him. Um, I like that idea a lot. Uh, trade out, let somebody else take Justin Fields, and then pick up your corner after that. If the Cowboys sit here and pick on Monday morning, there was a lot of reports. Um, uh, Albert Breer reported that the Cowboys have been the team most connected to Patrick Sertan. And for what it's worth, Todd McShay wrote on Monday that the Cowboys, if Patrick Sertan is not there, you mentioned a defensive player a little while ago, um, that they might trade back. Maybe they're so locked in on Sertan that they just trade out of 10 entirely. So I, I'm kind of thinking they might trade back now a little bit more than I ever have. Um, as you know, everything changes day to day. But But either way, I do think they walk away with a corner. It just depends at what particular spot. Right. And I think you're playing with some fire. If you really like somebody there and it is Sertan, take him. And I also think this too, this idea that the Dallas Cowboys can take offense in the first round, they can't. So if you're trading back or keeping the pick, it has to be a defensive player, in my opinion. I mean, outside it looking at it. can be a tackle. You got a better, their you offensive got a better, line is beat up, man. But you have a better pulse of this film. You have to get a, a defensive player. I mean, that this is the whole thing with with Dak now and this offense and what the offense can do when they were putting up all these points uh, before he was hurt last year. I mean, you can put up points. The defense has to get better. And I, I think you got to spend that first round capital if you keep the pick or otherwise on a defensive player. I don't disagree with that logic, but all I'm saying is like it's the Rashawn Slater pick hypothetically makes a lot more sense than to most people than say Kyle Pitts. But, you know, there's arguments to be had. Either sure. way, whatever direction, blah, 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 et cetera. Um, so I don't know that we really mocked ourselves. Um, I, I know we had fun. Um, that is the true Monday Football Monday way. Uh, right. Pete, the next time we sit here in this spot on Monday right. Football Monday, the NFL draft will have concluded. Very exciting stuff, just like all the stuff that's going to be happening all throughout the week on the SB Nation NFL show. Pete, you're subscribed. That's correct, right? I am. Yes. On multiple platforms. I try to give us listens all across the board. Right. Seriously. I mean, who would not subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show at this yeah. rate? Uh, right. Who would not leave a rating? Who would not write a review? What type of person would fall into this particular category? I don't know. I don't know if I want to know. Do you want to know? I, I Sure. <laughs> okay. I would love that. I would love to know that. Yeah. Uh, well, for Pete Tweeney, I'm RJ Ocho. This was Monday Football Monday. Shout out to uh, my Twitter followers who joined us for the live stream. Uh, of course, shout out to our loyal podcast audience. The NFL draft cometh. Exciting times up ahead on the horizon. Pete, any last thoughts? Literally the last things we say before we shut this off. I'll see you. See you on Thursday. Chiefs don't pick till Friday, but I, I'm excited for the draft. I'm, I'm, I'm can't wait for you guys to join us. I expected something way more clever. Bit of a letdown. Hmm. Sorry about that.
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.